0: Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists.
2: Hi, this is Mike The Truth Jackson, combat sports personality, photojournalist, and jack-of-all-trades. And you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson.
1: Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists Presents... No eye patch required. A secret invasion podcast discussion, recap, what have you. All I know is this is the last episode we were talking about this show. Mercifully, it's over. But the person here to join us on the other end of the tin cannon string. Wait. To deliver. Are the- you Peter Melnick? I sure am. I'm okay. Peter Melnick, and you are? Eddie Wilson. The person that's going to help us deliver the knockout punch oh. on this show, mercifully. We are joined with mixed martial artist Mike the Truth. Jackson, Mike. Good evening.
2: Good evening, fellas. How are you
0: all today? Welcome. Good- Thank you for taking the time to talk to us about this as we put this to bed. I think it's
1: <laughs> I, so. I think it's kind of funny that you know we've had a lot of professional wrestlers on the show over the years, but you are the first uh, mixed martial artist we've had on who's also beaten the shit out of a pro wrestler. So you know, you look up the Wikipedia, you'll see who I'm talking about. But yeah. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, uh,
2: you know, I, I, I'm glad to, to be the first for you guys in this in that respect. So, yeah, everybody's having a good time.
1: And, you know, I've, I've followed you on social media for a while. I see a lot of the stuff you talk about with, you know, comic books and comic book TV shows. And, yeah, you know, I I knew you're one of our kind. So I'm like, yeah, you know what, let's get them on here.
2: De- definitely, definitely. I love it. And the part of the, the you know... Uh, Murdoch law for him. you know we got going <laughs> avocados
1: at law That's avocados about. at law
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that really throws people off little little but i love
1: it and i'm gonna tell you in advance now when daredevil born again comes out whenever it comes out whenever all the strikes are finished we would like to have you on to talk about any one of those episodes when those uh drop so
2: oh i'm, I'm excited about that as well let's do it
1: i can't wait it's it's funny because like a lot of uh you know fans of like You know, the biggest thing people say with the Disney Plus shows are they are not like the Netflix shows. And I get that. You know, they're fun to watch, but they ultimately, at the end of the day, don't really have the uh, same kind of impact that the Netflix shows did. And the Netflix shows, they were doing their own thing. And I feel like they need to, you know, maybe borrow elements of that. Man,
2: I I think what it is is you're going to have really two different types of uh, demographic watching that. and, And you have to sort of cater to your audience. You know, for me, obviously, I'm pro the Netflix crowd um, because you're definitely going to get the more adult themed you know, superhero violence side, so to speak, right? Uh, and the Disney Plus side, you're, you're probably going to you're trying to bring in the the younger clientele, and even that, you know, I I'm kind of like the guy who is more pass fail on my on, on my movies, even when it, whether it's the, the the comic book movies or not. Um, so for me, I know there's a lot of people who who kind of watch the Disney Plus series begrudgingly sometimes, but I, it's this weird thing, man. Like, I just kind of just take it in stride, and I, I enjoy it a little bit.
1: And, you know, obviously, you know, I've been very vocal on social media about Secret Invasion. I'm not a fan, and to be honest, like, there are some emotional beats that we'll be talking about later on in this episode four, episode six. What is it called, Eddie? Home! No, we're in the radio station, Eddie. Um, <laughs> thirty seven minutes of it, where all hope for humanity rests on Fury's shoulders. No, actually I'm ten minutes away from here, so that's you know that's
0: you know, not thirty seven minutes. Not that that unless you drive really slow. Have you heard the song Super Tramp? Take the long way home. Oh, that's that would that's many ways. <laughs> okay. Or maybe Daughtry, I'm going home. Oh, that's a good one. I like okay. that one. Thank you.
1: We were supposed to get Daughtry on the show once when he was doing a red goblin variant cover. Get- and that never ended up happening because he had like a postponement. Oh okay. So Ladies and gentlemen, that's a little uh, peek behind the curtain of some things for the Marvels. We're even sitting on an interview with the band Gore that we still haven't uh, released in three years.
0: No, I swear to God, like it's been at least ah. a year.
1: No, no, that was uh, three years, 2000 or 2020. Yikes! Yeah, but I digress, ladies and gentlemen. Part of the show. We are talking about episode number six of Secret Invasion, and it's funny because like I like the attempt. Like there are, you know at the end of the day, while I will repeatedly say, man, you had a show with Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn and made me not care. That's pretty impressive. (sighs) But, (laughs) I will say this. Their performances are damn stellar and they still manage to knock it out of the park in regards to that element. But the story that they're being involved in is very eh, eh, as you see me shrug, you know, for the audio podcast,
0: eh. Better off you don't...
1: I'm not working on my shoulders, so you know. Fine, trying.
2: "How do you shrug for the for the audio version?" I, I like. I mean, that.
0: Um, let me see if I can if it can to, get picked up. Not really. No, no I just, can't. Just, just really. have nah. to imagine. <laughs> leave it to your own
1: devices, I guess, Mike. I'm I'm um. the sh- I'm a living embodiment <laughs> of the shrug emoji. So. Oh. <laughs> but. but so Eddie. Let's get this off the road or onto the road as we talk about the opening of this episode.
0: Well, before we get to the actual intro, we have Nick calling his wife. It's kind of a cold call. I mean, not that she wasn't expecting it, but maybe she wasn't. But it's really emotionless, and he's just touching base with her. Maybe he thinks it's the last time he's going to talk to her. Um, and then we see a car that, ro- on an outside, of course, scene rolling up to a gate. Two guards are killed. Who did it? We don't know because the car is empty. And it really, throughout this episode, I think we're Following the action, whatever Fury finds himself doing, finishing this as episode five had ended with, and the scene where the president is in the hospital, Rhodes, aka the Skrull, is telling him he needs to declare you know war on Russia and uh, that whole thing. That's pretty much what we're going back and forth scene wise too. Now, is that around the time when the ter- the uh, the uh,
1: phrase one term president is brought up at him, because that is a very funny line. Yes. Because it ties in to Thunderbolts. That well, is a tie into that. Because in the movie, you know who the president of that movie is going to be, right? In Thunderbolts, famous
0: mumbler Harrison Ford. I have to be the president. Because uh, oh. he was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because he's been casted as the uh, new Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. And I love. Uh, by the way, I think we.
1: I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, or maybe we did on the episode with Mitch for Terrificon. But I love the fact that in regards to that. That uh, there, you know, you they casted the perfect person to not spoil a single thing because that man does not care <laughs> about anything he's ever casted in. It's just a job for him, and he knocks it out of the park, which is always nice. Yeah. But you don't have to worry about spoilers with Harrison Ford because literally, his catchphrase is, uh, "I don't give a shit." So I love <laughs> <laughs> I love that about him.
0: Well, to your point, Peter, about the line that Fury says to the president. Yeah, that's after he makes his uh, address. Yeah, uh, in the announcement on TV about killing, he says the word "kill." You know, killing every last one of them, and so that's where yeah, the one-term president thing comes up. But that's about halfway or two two-thirds of so the way through, right?
1: I would say so. And you know, you know, Mike, what what did you think about that opening?
2: Man, it, for me, I, I was intrigued by the conversation, but also to the point where we talk about Samuel's. Uh, his acting abilities. I think it was perfectly acted, uh, acted out, but it kind of left a little bit out there. It was like, wait, you just going to hang up like that? Like, Mm -hmm. that was it? And so I I wanted a little bit more. Again, I'm a guy that's more like I said, I watched his past fell, but in that moment, I personally wanted a little bit more emotion uh, from Nick Fury that, that we didn't get.
1: I I found it really funny. You know, I discussed it in a previous episode pertaining to this series, but I love that when it came to his overall demeanor, like, because now we're spending more time with Nick Fury as opposed to, like, you know, just one singular movie where he shows up in, you know, for maybe, like, 25 to 30 minutes. This is extended. We got more time with him, and we're seeing a multi layered element of him with all of his emotions, and I love that, and I love the fact that when it comes to that, we see him... He like in a previous episode, he explodes and like that's we've had him get angry, but not to the degree he did. And it felt like a little bit of, you know, Pulp Fiction with the great vengeance and furious anger like the yeah. the Sam Jackson. Like he didn't drop an F-bomb. He totally could have dropped an F-bomb, but he didn't. But it still had that emotional element of it, you know?
0: Hmm. You know, I think with I reg- definitely agree with that. Yeah, with his, his display of emotions, I know he apologizes to his scroll wife, and he apologizes and takes the blame, the heat, after the tirade is just putting it mildly, that graphic dishes out. You pimped us, Fury! You know, that whole, that whole scene there. And you popped your peas, Eddie. And that's what happens. <laughs> what I didn't quite understand, though, was... And I don't recall him seeing it in in an earlier episode. That uh, he's got this nasty cough and he's taking medication for it, but we find out I think maybe the reason why later whether it was radiation, like Gravik says, or not. So something seemed odd or different, and it was making him weak. It seemed, and then it really didn't quite register when he kind of blasted, punched uh, Gravik through the wall or through the building, and then we find out, of course, that it was actually Gaia. And, you know, there have been articles
1: recently, like apparently Gaia is the most powerful entity in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like somebody goes, well, this week, yeah. And it's like, at this point, it's like, who isn't the most powerful entity in, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe. Like I want it to be like, revealed, like Howard. The duck is like the most powerful one or like, maybe, like you <laughs> know, Oh, great callback. I uh, would love uh, to uh, see that. Well, like, you know, why not? He is the master of quack foo. So the, know, why
0: then not? we would have to, <laughs> right, So he, cause they ran out of Harvest, uh, harvest, frankly, for any to take. So that could have done it. So let's talk about the harvest because like that is, yeah, I'm
1: looking up over on one of the Easter egg articles fairly recently for this. And there is a who's who of characters involved with that. And like, you graphic
0: analyzes the harvest and says
1: it's all clear or it's all pure. Over on GameRant.com, they listed off some of the names and you have in the harvest Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Valkyrie, Korg, the Winter Soldier, Captain Marvel, and also the DNA of the Guardians, Gamora, Drax and Mantis and other, you know, they said other surprising DNA samples as well, you know call obsidian Frostbeast, beast flora colossus scrolls it's kind of crazy to see all of these uh things mm-hmm. and like when i saw you know mantis like the little uh thingies show up the antenna, antenna yeah. i love that and i thought it was like what else is there in this you know mm-hmm. and you know mike for yourself like were there any like characters that you were surprised they didn't like sneak something in there they could have snuck an x-man in there you know
2: they could, Yeah, great call, man. X Men, that was our I grew. We can get to that later. Uh, my love for X Men, but when I saw Mantis, though, that I was, that kind of threw me off for a second. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, okay, that was a great callback, and I understand the power play. Uh, it, it it was a dope little moment for me, actually. So, I I remember when I, I guess it was the what Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one when when Mantis sort of came to to the uh to the universe.
1: Uh, the second one, and
2: movie. I was or the second one. Um, and I got kind of like, what's going on here? And then I watched the most recent one and, it, and I really enjoyed her character. So in that moment when bringing out the Mantis antennas and using the power, I loved that. But that was one of my favorite, uh, I don't think I've ever said that out loud.
0: That way, was
2: one of my favorite moments of the, of the, the series I, was, was the Mantis play.
1: I gotta throw this in here as well, cause there's even more, and it feels like I'm doing Billy Joel's. We haven't, we don't, we didn't start the fire, because like I just keep naming more names. Like, yeah. the other names in the Harvest are Corvus Gleave uh, or Glaive, Thanos, Outrider, Proxima Midnight, Ebony Maw, the Chitari. You got Ghost, who was you know the one, the uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter in uh, what's it called? Uh the Man in the Wash. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. all of these characters, and it's like. Damn, I think even abomination is included, and it's like, who else? Like, did you? Th- I think like you know, like look really close. I guess maybe Stan Lee's included. I don't know. <laughs> like the ability to make a cameo for no reason. Why not? That's right. You know, True Believer. Back in 1975, I made my first cameo. No,
0: um, I made a cameo without even being around. I wasn't even there. Enough said, because I didn't say anything. But <laughs> that's right. So how can it be? Okay. Well, I think the other going back to Nick's uh, emotions, and we we get one told to us. I don't know how much we see it or feel it in his in his line delivery. With the blip, he said as he's responding, I believe at this point to Gravic, he says, "With the blip came relief, because he didn't have to continue to fight." I mean, he's, he's getting too old for this stuff, or you know, he's he's had it, he's done, hang it up, and he came back to Earth because of Gravic. Whether that was supposed to sway him, Gravic or not. Eh, you know. But we have the all out fight out and then um and then Gaia puts a hole right through the center of graphic. By the way, Eddie, speaking of a you know,
1: poopy, uh one thing I wanted to point out and I'm just gonna completely do the dolphin noise over this part from uh SpongeBob, but did you know that they're gonna be doing uh signing over at soon? They're setting that up. So if you wanna be you can meet he doesn't do many personal appearances. There you go. So anyway, that like I said, this is going to be the SpongeBob dolphin noise the
0: entire time. Anyway. Eddie? Really? Okay. So we find out that now that we know Gaia is Fury, where is Fury? Fury is in the hospital. He's been picking off whoever's been guarding the president, and eventually it comes down to Rhodes, a.k.a. the Skrull, trying to make a move by him not being shot, the president perhaps shooting Fury or whatever, and we see that... Yes, Rhodes is the scroll. So Fury is, in fact, at the hospital with, with the president. And I think we come to a point where, and I forgot the character's name, she's the British woman with the hair bun in the back, uh, Gaia. Ms. Maisel, yes. Is, yes, Gaia is offered to undo the mistakes of Talos and Fury.
1: And it, it's kind of funny because, like, the uh, Gaia-Gravic fight, I'm not really a fan, to be honest. Like, I know, like it's very action packed. It is cool to see a lot of, you know, the, the, uh, you know, powers being utilized and all that good stuff. But I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, you have Amelia, and she's a phenomenal actress. Not being used very much, and that's pretty damn crappy. Like, yeah. I'm not a fan of that. And
2: uh, yeah, I kind of gonna agree with that. The that particular scene, the the, the fight scene. It was a, seeing, having this conversation with y'all, y'all are starting to pull it out of me. (laughs) Uh, It was was a little bit lackluster. I I enjoyed, again, the Dementia's part. I enjoyed that. Um, Seeing different powers come to play briefly, I enjoyed that. But the overall scene, I was kind of like, meh. You know, a little bit, meh.
0: You know, those two, speaking, I, I went a little bit ahead with that fight scene because right before that, Gaia finds and frees as in releases, the real Rhodes, uh, Ross, and the others. I'm not sure if we're supposed to know who the others are, but I don't know if we had known that uh, Ross was Bob was one Johnson. Of them. Good old Bob Johnson. Could have been, you know, uh, Bob, the, <laughs> Bob the Builder, for all we know. Oh, we can fix it. Uh, yeah, sir. Well, the funny thing, in a sense, to me, was that, yes, it took everybody some staggering, some regaining use of their muscles to walk out of where they were being held. Rhodes, however, needs two Army guys to carry him out. Um, Maybe because he's being too much used as a scroll in in his other alter ego. I don't know. So let's talk
1: about the whole thing with Rhodey. And this is going to be an absolute... This is one of the best things for the worst reasons why. And I say that because you have Rhodey, and it's revealed he's been gone since Civil War. Hmm. He has not been seen since. Like, the real Rhodey has not been seen. So what that means is... There's two moments in the MCU that, you know, people have been discussing online as like, oh man, that's actually really a powerful moment, a real, like, it's going to be what fuels the upcoming Armor Wars event. I think it's either going to be an event or a movie. I don't know what it's going to be, but whatever it's going to be, that's going to be the emotional backbone to this. And what I mean is, first off, let's go with the one line. I believe it was in Avengers Endgame. Remember the scene where uh, when Nebula and Rody are talking with each other and Rody makes the comment, I didn't always look like this. That now has a double meaning because yes, he's referring to the uh you know, the dancing legs, like he has little things on his legs. He That's what do I anything. thought immediately or
0: the fact that he's all got all his armor. Yeah. We
1: all did. Yeah. And now, with you know hindsight being twenty twenty or Hinds being fifty seven. you know, we now have that element of he's meaning. I didn't always look like James Rhodes. I used to be a scroll. Mm. And now we also have something else. Do you remember the end of Endgame when Tony Stark had his funeral? And remember how every single person in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is there, mm-hmm. including Rhodey? Mm-hmm. Turns out that wasn't Rhodey this whole time. So that means we now have that element for Rhodey of the real Rhodey being, well, I'm not even there Wait, the I food. think
2: we, we may have like a time because so when, when that was said, I was going back, when uh, I I don't know why I'm not thinking of his name at, at the current moment because you know they changed the actors for Rhodey
1: oh uh, Terrence Howard uh,
2: Terrence Howard I was thinking of the Terrence Howard uh, Terrence Howard
1: that. oh no 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 because uh, Civil War was Civil War was like I think Phase 3 or something like that and it's like mm-hmm that's years removed from that so like once that event happened then that was like I guess the, the uh, switch with the scroll. Uh, so okay. there's that Got you. Okay. so now when there's the funeral you know with uh, Rhodey at you know seeing Tony's funeral that means he wasn't even there for the funeral of his best friend the guy who saved his life and changed his life so you have right. that emotional element added on top of everything mm-hmm. and that is good. like as much as I didn't like this show, I appreciate this show for that element now of adding in a new complex layer to all these other things. And that's what I love about, you know, the cinematic universe aspect. Like, there's, is there a lot of homework for us to do with these shows? Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. There is a lot. And, you know, I thought being a Star Wars fan could be bad from time to time, but I digress. <laughs> One of the things is, you know, you you have these movies and, like, they'll retcon and make things Better in hindsight. So now we have, you know, for example, Avengers Endgame makes you care about Thor the Dark World when a lot of people like poo pooed that movie and yeah. hated it, including yours truly. Yeah. You have people who absolutely despised Iron Man 3 because of the Mandarin, and now because of Shang-Chi, you can retroactively <laughs> change that, right? It is insane. So now this, you're not doing a change of, you know, giving perspective. You're giving a change of, hey, remember all those lines and remember those moments with Rhodey? Guess what? That wasn't the real guy this whole time. He's been hidden away for years and years. So I don't know if that means also, like, was he blipped? We don't know. Oh, he, the real Rhodey blipped.
0: Was it? (laughs) Didn't think
1: about that, did you? No, no, no. So in a lot of ways, like, you see a Skrull in, you know, Endgame fought against Thanos so you're seeing all these like, little complex little things in there. And that's what I love. Like Armor Wars is going to be intense. Armor Wars is gonna be emotional, heartstring tugging kind of stuff. And I cannot wait for that. As someone who's barely skimmed through the original Armor Wars comic, it's like, whatever. That didn't have, you know, much emotional kind of, you know, connotations, whereas this one one hundred and ten percent will.
0: Are we talking like early 90s there about when Armor Wars uh, happened? Late 80s,
1: early 90s, yeah, because Armor Wars 2 is, you know, the John Romita Jr. joint with some gorgeous art. There's one issue cartoonist Kayfabe talked about that's really good, and I recommend checking it out. But I digress. Yeah, you didn't want,
0: did you want no one to hear it? You had to whisper it so when, kind of you stand didn't, low? You know, I want to do low, you know. It's my radio seductive voice. You it know, is not, know. you're not on the radio.
1: Oh, I'm talking to a radio
0: microphone. That counts. <sighs> but anyway,
1: so, you know, we have like other things like. The discussion of the peace talks with the Cree. And again, it opens up this gigantic world of the Marvel Universe. And what I like about that, too. And, you know, Mike, tell me if, you know, you're thinking the same thing I am. What do you think is going to happen with the whole, you know, the Cree? Are we going to be seeing more of them, you think?
2: I mean, you sort of, I think the way, you know, we got the Marvels coming out, but I feel, um, the way they implemented the, the, uh, what do what we gonna call her? Captain Marvel? Captain yeah. Marvel? Yeah. What do we call her? Uh, we, the way they implemented, particularly the powers, like we saw a lot of the power usage. I think that's sort of an underlying sort of hint. Like, I think we're going to, we're going to get more Kree, Kree involvement, uh, in the, in the media here pretty soon.
1: I hope so. And it, it's funny because like, I'm a big fan of Marvel cosmic. I know you're more of a fan of, you know, the uh, you know, the vigilantes, like the defenders and characters like that, that level. But like, as a cosmic fan, oh my god, we are eating good. Like I did.
2: Yeah, you know, I, that was one thing. I it, it took me a while to sort of grow uh, to to appreciate the the cosmic level. I still haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, but it's growing on me. It's growing on me a little bit.
1: It's cool because, like you know, again. Part of why I didn't like Secret Invasion as much as I should have or would have is because it's just like, I don't care for the political intrigue stuff. Although I loved, uh, what's it called? Oh. Uh, what's the name of this uh, movie? Winter Soldier. I mm-hmm. love Winter Soldier, but I'm just like, with this? Eh. Just, <laughs> just, no, fair That's fair. And it just feel you know, like there are elements where it doesn't work for me, but that's fine. And again, you know, to quote the boys from We Hate Movies, it's okay to like a movie. It's okay to like a show. It's okay to like a this or that, you know? And it just it didn't click with me, but I'm you know I'm very hopeful for whatever is next. Like I don't know what's next because we don't like they haven't even announced what's no. next after this, and yeah. it's we don't know if we're getting Loki you know, season I, two.
2: I never. This is the first time I've actually thought about it in in two separate sort of entities like that. Like I've always just sort of kind of lumped them all together just enjoy. It. Like I I grew up Marvel. Uh, 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 I grew up in the in the the, the Marvel universe, um, but I never really say. Se- even though, like, cause I remember like the early Iron Man cartoons, and they uh, starting to get like Mojo and all these things. So I would see it, uh, even in X Men. Like you would see it, but I never really separated. So you just said it to me. So man, I, man, look at am
1: growth over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What I love, man, is the uh, the whole thing with, you know, what we're going to be getting with the X-Men soon. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that towards the end because, like, I'm hyped for, you know, what is next for Marvel Studios, specifically that X-Men 97 show that's coming out, which we're getting Cal Dodd back, man. We're getting Wolvie, like the real Wolverine. Yeah. I love Hugh Jackman, but come on, like that, Cal Dodd is my Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Just saying. But... What I really appreciate, you know, about, you know, the ending of the episode, first off, the show was over. Oh, okay, but, okay. <laughs> yes, we get it. All right. But what you
0: go ahead and appreciate. Go ahead.
1: What I appreciated was that, you know, again, more complexity to the character of Nick Fury. You're seeing more things. Like seeing a sensitive side to Nick Fury and the lovey, dovey kind of element of who he is with his wife and that final moment with her, it's like, you know, I enjoyed that, you know, emotional uh, again the gravitas of it all. Like it was very impactful, and it made me feel good. Like seeing, you know, the uh, the love the two characters had, and just you know, I you know, you're not going to say goodbye to me, blah blah blah, and he did, and he showed his love towards her. Like it didn't matter what she looked like, you know.
0: This show is brought to you by our Patreon. Go to patreon.com/slash/theMarvelous. And on the $3 tier, you'll get access to episodes early and ad-free. The $5 tier gets you our two bonus shows. One Fantastic Voyage, where we dissect and just talk about the 102 issues, one by one, although if it's a storyline more than one at a time, of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's amazing, incredible, spectacular, invincible, and fantastic run of the Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine. And two... You haven't read that? A show dedicated to the comic books that I haven't read yet. Some Marvel, some DC, all fun. And on the $8 tier, pick a topic of your choosing, not a topping of your choice, or perhaps you can be a guest on The Marvelists. Above all else, we thank you for your continued support.
2: Eddie? I enjoyed That was so, before I said it, I, that because that was a side of theory that you really had never seen. At least I, I can't recall ever seeing that side of him, and I really enjoyed that—that that, that black love and well black and green well, love. I guess black and green love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. I enjoyed it for a moment.
0: Well, first to Peter's point about you know peace summit. That's where uh, yes, Fury and Var are in the field. The spaceship is. You know, he said, "Hold that, please." They're They're about to or he's about to get on the ship at least and he says he needs her help with the peace summit so we know something's going to happen.
1: Was it almost like Casablanca a little bit? You get on you're going to get on this plane.
0: I, maybe, you know, I had a flash uh, or, or a different thought as Sorry, well flash is a in different a second. Flashback, flash forward, whatever. But yes, Fury and Vara in scroll form with that kiss and I went to the Star Trek Kirk and Uhura kiss. And how really? much of an impact that because you're you you're putting two you know races together kind of thing. So maybe a, a nod or a thank you to Star Trek for what we just saw with Fury and his Skrull wife. I don't know. I get where you're Straight coming thought. from
1: with that. Yeah, I guess. Straight thought.
0: but then they both go into the spaceship. See and and Vara says, "I love you as I am." And, and Han Fury, Solo said, "I know." <laughs> Fury says, "Only as you are," changing the pronouns a little bit, and that's it. Whatever that's supposed to go down continue whatever. Maybe, you know, she's just going for a little bit of a ride. I got to take care of this peace summit like he asked me to so I can't stay too long on the ship. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It just, it, it did break my heart because like, this is the one time like you see like, you know, Fury is doing his thing and he's like, you know, again, it's that other emotional uh tech or, you know, layer we've added to him now and man, it, it did break my heart just to see that, you know, because like, he's this uh closed off kind of person and then like this show, like, the point of when they make these shows for these characters, and that's what, again, I will keep going back over to the Netflix stuff, and also go over, you know, again, as I bring it up, the PS4 Spider-Man game. You spend time with these characters, and you build a relationship with them. You watch them grow, you watch them interact, and you see new layers of them that you might not have seen before. And to see the side of Fury, the sensitive, loving side... We never would have gotten that in Avengers or Avengers uh, Age of Ultron or any of the other, you know, like mini cameos at the end where he's like, I would like to have you join the Avengers initiative. It's like, okay, cool. You know, you don't get that. But now with these shows, you're getting that build up for who he really is. And it's, you know, the writers are like, hey, let's do this. Let's see where we can go from here.
0: I don't think there was really any room, so to speak, for Fury to show any other emotion except the mission, the task at hand. The world-saving mode of Nick, yeah. But, I mean, you'd be surprised, you know. Yeah, not that they couldn't do it, but for what we're doing with, you know, being time is money and how much do you want to capture the audience's attention in a film or in a series, whatever the case might be, there's no real room for, for that stuff. You got a little bit of that with the Captain Marvel movie, as and- far as how he got his eye patch, at least. Yeah, a little bit of backstory to that, which was
1: nice. But, you know, Mike, for yourself, are there any characters in the MCU that, you know, have been established already, you know, in small levels that you would have liked to see a little bit more of and maybe give them their own show?
2: Ooh, that is a good question. I never thought about it. Mm. For me, I just enjoy what I I get. Like, when they gave me Hawkeye, I wasn't expecting Hawkeye to get a show. But I like the Hawkeye show. Um... I don't know i don't i don't really have anybody i just i enjoy these little mini series because it gives you it gives you a little bit more depth to the character that we're not really able to get in the big the big project because you know you got all yeah all these 20 guys or you know 10 superheroes or whatever and so you really don't get it in the in the even the she-hulk i know people really was not a fan of the she-hulk series I kind of enjoyed it a little bit; like yep. it was fun. Um, so I again, I haven't really thought much about who I would like to see. I'm more on the surprise, like surprise me with something good, and let's see what happens.
0: I like well, that. I think Mike too, and I forgot to ask the question earlier uh, at the beginning too. But I think I may have heard you say something like you you came up through the Marvel movies uh, and/or the shows. Was that right? Or
2: yeah, yeah. I started. You know, for me, it was it was the X Men. That, that's how I really. Well, because I'll be honest, I, I first incl- in in instance into uh, the comic book genre, obviously, was Batman 89, 89. Um uh, even a little bit more than Adam West. But when X-Men, I went, well, maybe it was Iron Man. I can't remember. Yeah, Iron Man or X-Men, the cartoon, but X-Men is the one that really got me hooked. Like, I was a huge fan moving forward after that. Um, and so I was all, like, when the X-Men movies dropped, Dude, I was, I'm not even like the guy who gets geeked out. I don't, I don't really like fan. I like that. Or an X Men job. Like I was, I was, I can't even put into words how happy I was. Even all of the future ones that came through later. Um, the one, was I'm kind of getting ahead, but when they brought the, the Juggernaut in, mm. from remember the the little voiceover joints that they were doing on, on the YouTube, like I was a big fan of those.
1: Oh, uh, when um, they lost
2: the Juggernaut. I'm the
1: yeah. Juggernaut, bitch. I love that's uh last last stand, <laughs> last stand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like they referenced it in there, I, it's like what the hell.
2: <laughs> I know, but I do. I when that line, dropped, I, I I mean, I knew it was coming. But I was I was ecstatic when when, when that dropped. So, but no, nah, for me, definitely, it was uh, Marvel and X, or well, particularly X Men, and I just kind of ran away with there from there.
0: So before that, though, or maybe I'm missing, or I didn't ask the question about coming into it, knowing these characters through that media, or did you actually have comic books growing up, and who were your favorites, or who did you start reading, anything like that?
2: I was. Mm, that is a great question because I don't know which one came. From, I, Man, I'm thinking the no, because I was in the comic books, and, and, and I, I was a uh, car collector prior to the show coming out. Um, but I was always, it was just X-Men. And mm-hmm. then the series hit, and then I kind of branched out a little bit toward, like, the X Factor um, or, or, or those comics a little bit. But for me, it was primarily X-Men where I, where I uh, spent most of my energy Mm-hmm.
1: So one thing I wanted yeah. to mention, by the way, with uh, this episode, that we, like, Eddie, you might have missed the guy uh, walking out, but you know one of the other scrolls obviously, was Everett Ross. and uh, Yeah, you, I guess he was. Mm-hmm. You realize also, he also has the emotional element of something that I don't think some of us remember, but who it, close to him died?
0: Who close to him di- Well, it wasn't Julie Louis-Dreyfus, was it? No, it was
1: T'Challa. Oh yes, yes. Okay. So that might be also a element that you know we mm. may have to touch on, like in one of the future shows or movies. Like that dawned on me. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be messed up too because they were friends. And again, mm. when you see these characters, they lose a friend, somebody close to them. It's like, it can mess them up. So that just dawned on me. I'm like, ooh, that's gonna be interesting. But now before we get into other topics at hand, let's wrap up this episode talking about Secret Invasion and Secret Invasion as a whole. You know, I'll give my thoughts, but I I liked. Some elements. I thought the writing worked, but otherwise... Not the writing. I thought the uh, performances, for the most part, worked. But the story was just so bland that, like, I don't know if I'll revisit this. And, like, I know a lot of people that I've talked to in recent weeks, like, are you liking the show? And the comment has been either, I didn't even know that's a thing, or... I'm I watched a couple minutes and I couldn't do it. and I'm so
0: like, you're saying that people didn't know it was out there. That yeah, was the that advertising adver- wasn't there really. I think before it started, there was some advertising. but once that happened, it started and then I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there was much saying, hey, don't forget this
1: is streaming now. I didn't I didn't really see much to be mm-hmm. honest like yeah. and I understand, but it's like you know, you know it what just wasn't for me, you know, Mike yourself?
2: I mean, I give it a pass. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs>
2: um, I, I enjoyed it for what it was worth in the moment. What was it, six episodes? Mm-hmm. It gave you a little bit, uh, 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 we saw a little bit more Nick Fury. I love Sammy Jackson and, and all the characters he plays. Uh, it gave us a little bit more, um, I don't want to say emotion, You know, a little bit more character development, I guess it would be a great way to put it. Uh, it gave us a little bit more of that that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, it's just a pass for me. That, that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I'm going to give it.
0: Would you revisit it, Mike?
2: Ooh, I probably would not. I'm not. I'm, so for me, I really don't revisit shows or, or uh, episodes like that, even movies. I, I like to, I draw them the first time. There's, I can probably kind of on one hand um, of the newer, uh, the newer products that I've, that I've watched multiple times. There are some that I am going to watch, like, well, I think Civil War, I watched a couple times. Uh, Endgame, maybe I watched a couple of times. But this one is probably going to be a one in Denver.
0: Mm-hmm. I hear you. Sure. I get it. And Eddie, yourself? Definitely give it a pass. And maybe a little bit more than that. I do intend to revisit this with my wife. I really want to know what she thinks about it going forward. Of course, starting from the beginning. You get more Fury, which is good. I think you satisfy, to some degree, some Fury fans. And it's, um, you know, maybe Fury's memoir of what I did after Le Blip. I w- I'll be honest with this show.
1: I mm. was worried they were going to kill him off. I was beyond worried about that.
0: Well... Yeah, speaking of killing off, I just went to Maria Hill and thought, oh man, I'm she shocked. isn't coming back. <laughs> that is one of those, again, like that was a shocking death in the show. Because yeah, you had surprised. that. You had a music, at least one music reference with the t- triad, a little tenderness from Otis Redding. You had some of those elements that you know and love from other things they've done before. And then in, to some degree, that got dropped. Um, somewhat shocking and saddening was the death of Talos to me. I was actually
1: really pissed about that, to be completely honest. Like his death was like really you're gonna kill him off like I understand why
2: yeah I I was not expecting that when you
1: it's like it's a sacrifice like I get that it's like this is why we now have to care about all of this stuff going on and I do want to know where we're gonna go because how is this gonna will this tie in with everything coming up with secret wars with bow world we don't know like it's that element that really gets me excited
0: the the whole idea of it being secret I think could have scroll in there as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And why not bring back and reuse the whole super scroll idea? It got brought into this for, you know, graphic and his purposes and so on. So with us getting in a year or so, a new Fantastic 4, I think it's a slam dunker, a no-brainer that the super scroll comes back somehow. Because, you know, they didn't go get wiped out. We don't know what happened to the however Many were left in the populace of Skrulls from this series. We just know that they're out there, and have to come back to who do you trust? Like from the comic book series, perhaps not to live in paranoia or fear or anything like that. But this does not mean it's closed. This is only a chapter or a side tangent on a character or two, and we you know we move forward from from here.
1: Now, in regards to you know some of the other stuff coming up with you know X Men like. X Men is going to be a thing again in the movies and stuff, and I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked that there really wasn't any, you know, references to what might be for the X Men. That kind of sh- you know threw me off. Like, but the thing is with them, they will drop X Men related references in the most unlikely of ways. Like Ms Marvel, we didn't think would would have you know X Men you know, connections, but it did. Mm. We didn't think there'd be X well kind of you, you know, when you have a multiverse of madness, you know, the multiverse would have mutants. So, I don't know. Hey, yeah. But there's a lot of really cool stuff and like I'm excited to see what could this could lead to down the line. And you know, with the future of the Marvel universe, one thing I want to ask you, Mike, would you ever if you had the opportunity, would you take a role in the MCU? And if so, who would you go as?
2: 100% I, mean,
0: I would. It's a no-brainer for uh, sure, Jace.
2: I do. I have no, you know, <laughs> as I'm saying this, especially back to, I, I can't remember how old I was, probably maybe, I was in middle school, so let's say 14-ish, and, uh, 13-ish. And, um, again, huge X-Men fan. I was, my family's from Louisiana, so for me, I would do the Gambit, uh, the Cajun sort of like voice, and I, there was a friend of mine, I was at like a wedding or something kind of just hanging around and the whole day i had the gambit accent on she was so she was hella annoyed Mm -hmm. uh so maybe in a a, like a in a different kind of universe i can be gambit
0: (laughs) see that's good you even have the character picked out because the way you said 100 percent, no kidding i was going to think that you would say i don't care what it is just give me five seconds on screen and i'll be the guy that gets hit with a boulder I, You just put me in here somewhere
2: I'm gonna yeah, have to run with the I need a, I need a, a, a version of Gambit give me that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's funny because like again you know X-Men X-Men kind of like became the bastard stepchild for the Marvel Universe for a is number of is- years Right. Oh, it's
2: so good. I hated that
1: so much, <laughs> and it, it drove me crazy because, like, uh, you know, I'm going through uh, my third reread of like the uh, '70s onward X-Men. I'm reading, you know, the Chris Claremont stuff and loving the hell out of it still. And you know, this weekend we're going to Terrificon in lovely Uncasville, Connecticut, at the Mohegan Sun Casino. So, in regards to everything going on with uh, the show, you know, with uh, the X-Men, like I like seeing the X-Men start to, you know. Like Marvel, you know, because you know why part part of why Marvel was doing that was because Fox owned the stuff, and it's like we don't really want to acknowledge them. Like they're trying. Like I remember watching Once Upon a Deadpool, and if you have not seen Once Upon a Deadpool, I cannot recommend it enough. It is literally a PG thirteen rated cut of Deadpool two, interspliced with scenes of Deadpool kidnapping Fred Savage and forcing him to be. The little kid. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see it, uh-huh. and the fact it's not on Disney Plus is so annoying because it's so funny. And he's making him recreate being in the bed in the Princess Bride as he reads him the storybook of Deadpool Two. <laughs> he and like there's so much great stuff.
2: I gotta see that. Yeah, I gotta find that and watch it. It's
1: it, hilarious. It is so good, and like they, you know, they actually teased that. A year before, when Deadpool 2 got dropped on Blu-ray, if you bought the movie from, uh, what's it called, Target, it came with a bonus fairy tale book retelling of the whole story. So there's a lot of stuff, including a a great scene involving Deadpool playing with a uh, button that censors uh, Fred Savage. So every time he says something, he bleeps it out. And then he just makes it sound like he's doing really inappropriate things with Matt Damon. So... I cannot recommend that movie, that version of the movie, enough. Like, some people are like, eh, it's whatever. But it's like, let's be real. If Deadpool ever gets introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yes, we're going to have the R rated Deadpool 3. But he is going to be doing a lot of interacting down the line with the PG 13 characters. Mm. And I've always heard people, by the way, like, you know, you can't do Deadpool unless it's rated R. Yeah, you can. You do it in the comics every month. He's PG 13 every (laughs) single month. Yeah, you know, he decapitates people, but. It's still PG thirteen. Somehow they found a way, but I don't know. Like, yeah, you got you definitely have to check out Once Upon a Deadpool. And I feel like it was it was designed as a test movie to see how he would interact in the PG thirteen element of uh, you know the Marvel universe. And they yeah, they removed a lot of f bombs, I don't know if. Yeah! You know, <laughs> and the funniest thing is when you're a PG thirteen movie, you're allowed one and they didn't even do that it's like oh that's interesting mm. okay expected that
2: see that Just look look at that you were surprised by I think that's what they were going for Is like you know what we're just not gonna drop in because I think everyone is sort of expecting the one yep they're like nah we're not gonna even give them that
1: and I like that. It's a it's a pleasant surprise, and it you know. Me again, too.
2: I did too. I did too.
1: It, and it was only in theaters for like about I think two weeks. Like it was a limited engagement run. You went to go see it. Like a, the proceeds went to uh, Ryan Reynolds' uh, cancer foundation. So it's kind of cool to see. But now, in regards to you know just what's coming up next, like we don't know what's next. Like right now with the writer strike and actor strike, everything's going on. Everything's kind of pushed to the side. What has been announced though. Are a lot of different shows and projects and you know Mike for yourself are there any in particular you want to see other than Daredevil because we have to push that to cycle we know what your number one is
2: oh <laughs> uh, man I, I just like I said I enjoy the universe so much I man. I, I I don't really look I don't I'm the person I don't have this I don't set expectations for myself I just enjoy the show and so I for me I love what I've been given thus far and I don't think they're gonna they're gonna let me down. So i no expectations, just ready for a good show.
0: The next one, yeah. I think we uh mentioned it already and I think it's what November tenth is supposed to be the movie, The Marvels.
2: Is it Ooh, I don't know the date, but I believe so.
1: All right, yeah, and again that's that is one like to be completely honest, like I've kind of avoided the trailers. Like I never really do that for Marvel movies but I'm kind of avoiding the trailers. I avoided the trailers for Barbie before I went to go see Barbie. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let, let's just enjoy it. Like, see what happens. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Barbie. Really loved the hell out of that movie. But I digress. But, um, and I got to do it with Barbenheimer, too. So I saw Oppenheimer and then Barbie in oh, one day. Oh, wow, okay. I, I went...
2: That was a long day for you. That was a long day for
1: you. Oh, hell yeah, it was. But it was worth it. Oppenheimer was pretty damn good and Barbie was somehow better in its own different ways. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I'm with it. I see... I think it was great because you have uh, Robert Downey Jr. in a completely different role, and he did a damn good job. Mm-hmm. But what you know, speaking of other things that are going on, Mike, you are a mixed martial artist. What is next for you? Because I hear there's gonna be a fight coming up real soon.
2: Oh wow! Uh, this is sort of unexpected, kind of. If I'm being honest with you, I am fighting in this Eddie. We're well. World- well, no, no, unfortunately, not Eddie this time. Oh. Uh, maybe, maybe in the future. <laughs> I know some people are probably egging for that. Um, but you know, I in this weird, weird world uh, of MMA or fighting, and then particularly all the things that I've been doing. Right, I'm out here fighting CM Punk, and then I get this Irish Karate Kid guy. You know, um, I'm fighting UFC Hall of Famer Pat Miletich. Um, Mm -hmm. October 14th in somewhere Iowa is is really where it is. And, you know, the crazy thing about this like one, the the craziest thing about it is Pat Tate. Like the dude, is, I think he's like 55 or something like that. So that in itself is crazy. But he and I, you know, we have a, a, a long past that goes back, man, at least seven, eight years like I've been knowing this guy, And, uh, you know, we've been friends at one point, he cornered me against CM Punk, but his, and again, so for me, I'm able to separate, you know, what fighting is outside of people's personal lives. You know, you can be a good fighter, but you can also be a terrible person. Um, but like, they're not, you know, these aren't things that go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, so he and I have had some crazy disagreements with, from the political spectrum in life and. He essentially had been like begging me to fight, which was really weird. I, like he he's texting me like midnight, one in the morning, and I'm like, dude, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> Go to sleep. And he is blowing my phone up, telling me how he's gonna, you know, he's gonna wash me, and I don't be- deserve to be. Which is weird, cause like it wasn't I've never said, yo, Pat, let's fight. He just came out of the blue. He's like, y'all want to fight you? And I was like, this is weird. Shit. And then I kind of like blew it off and he was really persistent. Like the guy really wants to fight me. And he had some promoters reach out and I can't pass up another payday like this. That's probably my easiest fight ever. Um, So yeah, I'm fighting UFC Hall of Famer Pat Miletich October 14th for Caged Aggression. And uh, they're going to be streaming it on like a pay-per-view sort of feed. for those who have no idea where somewhere in Iowa in the, in the middle of a cornfield somewhere <laughs> um so yeah i would just check it out on my social media stuff like that aptitude Jacks on twitter Shits and giggles brand on instagram and uh watch me have the time of my life as i put pat milicic out to pasture
0: Wait a minute, are they, they going to spin this over to a movie and call it like Field of Dreams 2? Oh, Eddie, Eddie Iowa, Cornfield, is wait a minute. It
2: is possible. Look, if you dream it, look, he clearly dreamt it up. And it's happening. So, See, that's why, he was,
1: that's why he was texting you in the middle of the night. He's like, ah, oh, I woke up, ah, oh, i got to text him. Oh, jeez. If I text him.
2: It, dude, it's weird. It's so weird. But, like, I, I, you know, I, I keep saying, like, in my head, like, even when the CM Punk thing, the fight happened, like, see, that in itself happened, you know, I remember when they announced he was fighting, I kind of like looked at the, the article, I think it was like on ESPN, I kind of like, dude, this is stupid, But <laughs> whatever. Like, have fun, like the guys going to have fun. And I, then when I got the call, I was like, yo, you wanna fight CM Punk? I was like, yo, what? And then even in the fight, like the, the, the fight, I went out there to like really destroy, well here, so to the point of me even really wanting to fight him, He went on ESPN and he called me a can on TV. And I was like, wait, how are you going to call me a can and you've never had a fight? So I kind of took it personal from that perspective. But when the fight happened, like the bell rings, we come out and I looked at him and he had this look on his face like he was really going to do something. And then he threw like his first like he threw like a double jab, kind of like pawing it out there. And I was like, oh, no. It wasn't that he was a bad fighter. I was like, this guy can't fight. Like, he should not be in here. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really melt him the way that I wanted to, which is why I kind of just beat him up for three rounds, and then I sent him off to the emergency room after. And in that, even in the moment, like right, I was like, this is so stupid. Why is this happening? And then now with this Pat Militius thing, it's like, this is really stupid too, but I got, I'm going to have to really... Make him understand why this was a bad decision to 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 beg me for this fight, and I have to leave him out in his own field of dreams.
1: So, by the way, do you realize with the CM Punk fight, you all you not only fought a former WWE wrestler, you also fought a Marvel writer. So you fought, you beat the shit out of a Marvel whoa, writer. Whoa, 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 yeah. okay, I don't know
2: that one. Wait, tell me, wait, what?
1: He uh, wrote... He's written, like, random comics for Marvel in D.C. So, like, he wrote a uh, story in a Thor annual a couple years ago. He wrote... Uh, co-wrote uh, with Colin Bunn uh, Drax the Destroyer comic. And he also wrote a Shang-Chi comic. So I, I do think it's really funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> CM Punk wrote a... Mar- I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote a yeah. uh, comic about a martial artist while he himself could not martial art.
2: <laughs> dude, you know the create like, So people wanted me to go out there and melt this dude, right? And I was like, dude, I can't do, like... For me, my whole thing was, look, I I really have, like, I just massacred people before. Like, I, I really hit hard. And in that moment, I felt bad. I was like, yo, I can't. I was like, if I hit this dude, like, well, I really wanted to hit this dude, what if he's unable to do the thing? Because I knew he wasn't really – his whole thing of fighting – he was just doing it to try something out. He, he he wanted to have the experience, which I respect him for one hundred percent for that. But I knew he it was just that. It wasn't like he's trying to be the best fighter or be a champion or anything. And I, in my mind, I was like, if I hurt this guy to the point he can't go do write comics or back to wrestling again, I would have felt really bad. And I'm glad I didn't. I know everybody, like all the MMA fans, even to this day, like as of like yesterday, people were like, yo, you didn't finish CM Pump. And in my mind I was like, Man, I gave this dude a pass on life. Yeah, Like, I feel I'm way I feel way better about myself as if I would have like turned this dude into a vegetable, which I'm probably gonna turn Pat Miller into a vegetable. Just to give y'all a heads up.
1: Hell yeah you are. So now, so now, Mike, before we let you get going and we wrap this episode up, I want to ask you, well, first off, I want to tell you, thank you for speaking with us on the program today about Secret Invasion as well as just your comic book fandom. I appreciate hearing about that. And we actually want, we would love to have you back on again uh, very soon. Just like, you cool. know, tell more of the origin story and just talk about, you know, that element of the Defenders and like your love of that stuff. Because like, I feel like, you know, it, it's been uh, next next year. I, no, no. In two years is going to be the ten-year anniversary of the Netflix verse, I believe. And
2: oh wow! It's been that long already. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: And it's kind of funny no, because I, you know, it, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it's just funny because it doesn't feel like that long ago.
2: It does not. I mean, look, I've been fighting for fifteen years, and it just seems like I was walking through a gym, like you know, not too long ago. I think, but also it, because, and I tell people all the time is because there's like no seasons in fighting. It's just like, it just goes. And so for me, I've just been going since 2008 and I've, I mean, it's been a dope ride, but I forget how long I've been doing this. So when you say it's been 10 years since the Netflix verse with, with, you know, Jessica Jones, and Daredevil, like that, uh, man, that's, that's crazy that it, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but not for me. I, I, I love the, the Daredevil series. I, uh, Luke Cage, you know, that, that, um, uh, well, I can't remember the name. Was it, was it Defenders? I can't remember the
1: name. Of yeah, them. yeah, Defenders.
2: Uh, yeah, like I, I just enjoy those characters, and I enjoyed their backstories. You know, particularly it's based out of New York, I'm a huge fan of the 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 New York City itself. So that's kind of what attracted me to it. It's probably the, the language. I love just I love New York slang and all that. So no, I just been a fan, and then you have a a lawyer who's also like a crime fighter, and just I love that man. So I, I sort of played to it on, went on my uh, social media that I uh, I went to Nelson and Murray Law Firm, and then I have and then tying that into I'm a big fan of Bill and Ted, so it's Mike Jackson Esquire. Oh my god! And then <laughs> the people, the people, who, who, the, the I have the trolls who like to come at me and stuff. They're like, oh, we're going to call your law firm and tell them you need to be disbarred, and I just, it's hilarious.
1: I didn't realize the Esquire <laughs> part came from Bill and Ted. That is true. I thought it was from Daredevil. <laughs> like, legit thought it was from Daredevil. No,
2: no, it's from Bill and Ted. It's from Bill and Ted.
1: That's tremendous. <laughs> I like that.
2: <laughs> you I learned something, though. I gave y'all one.
0: Hell yeah.
1: So, Mike, once again, <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure, and how can people get a hold of you on social media?
2: Man, on Twitter is at the Truth Jackson. On Instagram. It, well, it was at the truth Jackson on Instagram too, but I got banned for, for cooking some people a little bit too harshly. Uh, but now it's shits and giggles brand because everything I'm doing now is for the shits and giggles. Uh, and then if people are on Facebook, you can find me at Mike the Truth Jackson. And of course, the website is Mike the
1: Now, is it true that there's a rumor that your fist is going to be located in Pat Milicic's face in October?
2: 100%. Who told you that? Who's giving away my secret?
1: A little bird over on the Twitter machine told me. There you go. Well, now, <laughs> it, now I guess it's X or something. Sure. But I digress. Mike, once again, absolute pleasure.
2: I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me.
1: For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick.
0: I'm Mike The Trooper Jackson. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!